0: Good, uh, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, welcome to California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I know for my usual crowd, 10 o'clock in the morning Pacific is a little early, but we have a special guest tonight. And that's why I'm doing the show this early. Uh, I want to welcome everybody here. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state of California. That uh, means that if you have any kind of paranormal need, or you think you might have a paranormal need, we can get to you, as we have we have people in almost every county in the state. Anywho, I want to welcome our guest. You know, there's been a lot said about uh, extraterrestrials and you and and UFOs and things like that, especially lately, especially with what you know, was what with what was going on with con- with the U.S. Congress a while back. My guest tonight, Richard Lawrence has uh, looked into all that all that stuff, and it's going to be interesting to talk to him. Um, he's got an interesting background. I'll let him describe what his background and connection is with all this because it, it's very interesting indeed. And um, I believe, you know, honestly, I believe that at some point there is going to be disclosure. Now, how much disclosure we're actually going to get, who knows. But there is at some point going to be some type of disclosure with this stuff so i'm going to go ahead and bring richard on and let him tell you his story because it's easier if he does that instead of me doing it all right all right here we go good morning good afternoon. hi
1: charlotte good morning to you
0: <laughs> it's evening for you right
1: it is six o'clock p.m but it uh, happens to be i think the hottest day on record here so we could almost be in california
0: that's right. Which, I heard you which guys I love. Having, uh, <laughs> I heard you guys were having a heat wave over there.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, I was told we were the hottest country in the world yesterday, which for Britain is quite extraordinary. If you, have you been here Charlotte? I have. All right. Well then I you probably family. know.
0: <laughs> I have family in, in, in um Croydon.
1: In, where? sorry.
0: I have family in Croydon, England.
1: Oh, Croydon. Okay. That's not far from us. Well, when you visit next time, you must come up here to the European headquarters of the Aetherius Society in London. We'll make you very welcome.
0: Absolutely. So tell me about you, sir.
1: Well, you know, it's great to be talking to you in California because I've spent a lot of time in California because the gentleman you can see the photo just behind me, I'm in my office right now, Mm -hmm. uh, is he was based in Hollywood, California, Dr. George King. Um, and he founded the Aetherius Society. And I've been secretary of that society for over 40 years, actually. But um, uh, and you could say I was five when I started, Charlotte. <laughs> um, but uh, actually, the society started in 1955 and was registered in California as a non-profit corporation in 1960. mm mm-hmm. And I do believe that we're the oldest UFO contact organization in the world. Um, Certainly, that we've been consistently active throughout that period, right up to today. Um, So, I mean, our prime interest, I have to say, straight off the bat, is spiritual. Uh, and that used to be absolutely sort of really uh, looked down on. I, I don't know it, with your organization whether you're open to the spiritual side of things. I, I imagine you must be. Absolutely. But- Great. But there was a time in the UFO movement where, and and people like MUFON at one time, for example, Mm -hmm. were really looked down at the spiritual side. You know, they were nuts and bolts. They were, you know, metal and objects and facts and files, and they weren't, you know, they they didn't like, but they changed. Last time I was over there, actually, uh, well, when my book came out, UFOs and the Extraterrestrial Message, not the last time I was there, but when I launched that, I'd spoke at some MUFON events, and they were very open to it. So that's a great progress, I think, because I don't don't think it can really be understood fully without a spiritual approach to the subject. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just to cut, I mean, I could, I don't want to bore all your listeners with my whole history, but um, one of the things I've been involved in for over 40 years is, is campaigning for the disclosure on UFOs and that's starting to happen. I agree with you. It's, you know, it's, it's not there yet. And um, you don't know how much to trust, but, there has been a, what we used to call in, in, the, in the society I'm in, the Ethereum Society, a, and by the way, we have a headquarters in California, in Hollywood, as well as here in London. Those are our nice. two. So the people, your people or anyone watching, be really welcome to visit us in Hollywood. Uh, our website's Ethereus, A E T H E R I U S dot org. But I think one great thing that's happened in the last sort of two or three years is the stigma uh, has gone. From UFOs, other than among idiots, uh, I don't want to really look down on disbelievers or try and because they they treated us badly for a long time. That you know right. the disbelievers, but we're not going to start, return like for like. They're entitled to disbelieve if they really want to. But um, it's no longer you know you've got people in the forces, the navy, the the army, uh, proper, very good, genuine witnesses who can now, and especially the air force, who can come out and talk about it without their colleagues ridiculing them or, you know, having to keep quiet or or ne- be lied about because the government's lied for so long. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Well, I, I just think it's it, it, like you say, you know, even with ghost hunting, you know, the, for the, when I first started doing this 25 years ago, there, there was a stigma with it. Yeah. That everybody was flaky that was doing it. But now that you know, you see these ghost shows, and, and, and as the years have gone, I think people are more open-minded to this stuff.
1: Yeah, I think so. And you know, the other thing is, of course, one doesn't want to go the other way. I mean, I'm not saying I actually don't expect anybody to believe me when I say that Dr. George King was uh-huh. contacted and was in contact uh, for over 43 years. I, that's a, an incredible thing to say uh-huh. and I would expect people to have questions about that and I and I think in your what I can see of your organization is you investigate uh-huh. carefully and of yeah. course there are false claims out there. Not uh-huh. all the false claims are deliberate by the way. I think a lot of people believe these things or believe things that you know, there is an explanation or they aren't quite true. Or, but having said that, to dismiss it out of hand is ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is so much evidence. And in the case of Dr. King, I would just say to people, go by what he published, what he said, the, you know, the contacts that he had, they're on the record. You can find them. You, they're on the Internet. You can get books and you can hear, actually, some of the communications because he was a medium. Now, I, I've, I've done mediumship, not with extraterrestrials, but I've done mm-hmm. mediumship. And I know that it's very difficult. And anyone who says, well, it's easy, mm-hmm. I don't believe is accurate. I'll be, I'll, I'll be that dogmatic because it's not easy. It, it requires real powers of concentration, in my opinion, to really be an accurate medium. And most people... They don't realize that. So, you know, some of what they say is true. Some of it isn't true. Some of it's their imagination. Some of it's genuine. Um, but in the case of Dr. King, before he ever started and why he was chosen to do what he did was to practice Advanced yoga forms, which isn't the sort of yoga we hear about now—keep fit, keep slim, etc. It's it's yoga, the the philosophy and the advanced practice of yoga. Um, he did that for ten years, for eight hours a day, and so he honed his skills as well as doing a job. Um, he honed his abilities so he could get extremely accurate. Um, Messages, communications, transmissions—we call them—and they were put down on tape, and they can be tested. And some of them have proved true in the last two years.
0: Isn't it true, though? I mean, I found that with you know, with what I'm doing, is that you get your skeptics, yeah, and they don't want to bend. No matter what, how much evidence you have oh, to show yeah. them, or if they experience something, I've had people on my team that are skeptics that experience something, and they're still not going to believe.
1: Absolutely. And some people, if a UFO landed right in front of them, they'd say, oh, well, that was a hallucination. I mean, the, the, you could always come up with something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got to. and I quite agree with you. And, and I actually think the very best test of, is your own experience. Right. I mean, you may you it may not be. Not everyone's going to have a UFO encounter, of course not. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, but you can test from your own experience people who do. And with psychic things, which is something I've done a lot with, you can test your own experiences. So for with channeling, I mean, somebody might disbelieve you. It doesn't really matter. I, I, just to give an example, I got a, a message some years ago, which actually I published, which was um, turned out to be a 16th century Author who died, he you knows still alive, but he's on another realm. Or two of them, actually, there were two of them. I hadn't even heard of either of them, and I got their names, and they did exist, and they still do exist on another realm. But the interesting thing was when I was getting the message, because when I do it, I concentrate very, very hard on the words and not the meaning of the words. That's important because if you get into the meaning of the words, you start adding your own without even meaning to. Mm -hmm. You can start to put your own feelings, impressions, thoughts, and you can influence it. I don't do that. I just try to get the almost like the letters of the words, and they come very quickly. You put them, you get them down. And only after that, you look and see. It might take three minutes. You Mm -hmm. look and see, and this particular case it was a poem it rhymed it had a meter which was i found out later iambic tetrameters as they're called but that's a i think it's da 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 in a line and that's mm-hmm. a, four, a 16th century thing and some of the words were in sorry not 16th 17th i should have said 17th century the shakespeare sort of times
0: sure
1: it, well it wasn't shakespeare but uh, but and they were words that existed at the time so I didn't know any of that and I know I didn't know any of that and to, and to, I know I couldn't sit down and make a poem rhyme of that length in three minutes mm-hmm. and so I it was absolutely proven to me that's what I mean by your own experience now somebody mm-hmm. else can say oh well I don't believe a word of it you made that up it's a good story how do I know it? fair enough they can do that but I know what happened mm-hmm. and you can do that with healing you can do that with you know, with UFO investigation, you can judge by your your intelligence, but also your own experience.
0: Now, there had to be a reason why you decided to pursue. You know, the 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 whole disclosure thing. Did did you yeah. have any alien contact or anything like that?
1: I had sightings. I had a major sighting when I was at university in the north of England, which they used to call cigar shaped in those days. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's like a cylindrical. But you find I mean, one of the interesting things, actually, is that you you find a lot in old documents. The Bible's just a UFO compendium. I mean, it's jam packed full. ufos the bible but also the hindu scripts uh, wonderful cases so this particular shape is one that's been seen and then i had that experience hundreds saw it but it was mainly that i'd come my interest was spiritual i was looking for the meaning of life i found it through Dr. King, and it just so happened, he said that his source was extraterrestrial. So I got interested through that angle. And then I found through this particular case that the government's people, even where I was, it was a place called Hull in the north of England, that the, the university professors, everybody started lying about it. I mean, they came out, they felt the need. And this is the 70s. They had to come out and say, well, this is a barium cloud. They found out there's no such thing as a barium cloud. And if there was, it wouldn't look like this. And so it all started to unravel. And I thought, what's going on here? And I looked into it. And uh, in 1980, I brought some CIA papers over mm-hmm. to Britain. That had "Come." I think the Washington Post sued for them. I got hold of them. And what was interesting about that was... Not just that there was UFO activity, and this is this is a sighting over Tehran, it was in 1976, but also it demonstrated that these craft, these UFOs that were described in a, this CIA document, all of which I published in, in my books, um this object was peaceful because it it, it details as how some jets, some American jets tried to chase it how futile is that i mean it's ridiculous but and not only chase it they tried to find fire a missile at it now uh, just this isn't science fiction this is a cia document i want to stress that coming from the military in america who had a base in tehran at the time um it's before um you know the changes in iran um political changes 76 and when it tried to fire this missile at this object it was chasing its weapons control panel went dead it couldn't do it as soon as it got out of range it's its weapons control panel was activated again which showed me two things one they could read the minds of the people in the jet they knew what they were trying to do they demonstrated their power they they didn't harm it. They just prevented it from harming them. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as they were out of range, they, they activated its weapons control panel again. Now, that was an early experience I had. And then you see things like that. Many other cases come to light. And the recent stuff that's come out for the Pentagon, and I'll say, well done, the Pentagon, for bringing something out. But mm-hmm. they they show that the st- phenomenal powers of uh you know what they now call uaps they've renamed them for i would say political reasons but mm-hmm. there you are um so i you know they're peaceful they are friendly that's the thing they haven't admitted yet
0: well i just find it interesting because like like you say it's suddenly you know they're suddenly starting to release it little by little by little do you think there's ever going to be a full disclosure or you think it's just going to be bits and pieces like like we've been getting
1: it's very interesting because in a journal which uh, was published, you know, by Dr. King, so it's way before my time, called Cosmic Voice, and mm-hmm. I'll just hold that up. There, there, there's the issue of okay. Cosmic Voice. Um, that's about a Russian atomic accident. But in that one, a Russian atomic accident actually, which which happened, it's a Kishtim disaster. Dr. King revealed the details of that 18 years before uh, it was known in the world uh, through the media at all and he got it from an intelligence, shocking as this may sound, on Mars. Uh, we can come back to that if you like. There was another journal at the time, the, the, the next issue said this, All you know, a lot of which has come out. Um, so will they ever reveal it? I believe they will, but one of the warnings in that journal, I, the first one I showed you, uh, which was published in 1958, is that when they start to release these things, as they, they will, it was stated, and they are now many, many decades later, um, they will also try to make out they're hostile. And that is happening. You've even well. got whistleblowers and former people from the Ministry of Defence here and from the Pentagon there who who are quite good. You know, they're coming up with stuff at last, but they're also putting out the idea that they could be hostile. And that's ludicrous and i mean if they were i think there's a statement in here it should be obvious that we are friendly if we weren't you would not exist
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i got a couple questions in the chat room uh this person says they live in northern california uh they've been seeing multi-level circular type white clouds that appear within a blue sky background you do, do you have any thoughts on that
1: I don't know much about that. It, uh, I mean, it's, it sounds like they're clouds. I know there are clouds that do look okay. a bit like UFOs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one has to be careful. I'm not going to sort of come out here and say everything that everyone sees is an extraterrestrial right. spacecraft, because it isn't. Right. Um, but it's, I think it could be an interesting thing. What you're looking for, I would suggest, is a, like a flight pattern that couldn't be a meteorite, couldn't be a terrestrial satellite, of which there are many. Uh-huh. um couldn't be any aircraft that we have and you do get that you do get that through the phenomenal speeds the ability to the maneuverability of these craft to change direction uh at, you know at split second to move sometimes through different um modes for example through water through air beyond the stratosphere to break the sound barrier they've listed some of the thing without uh, a sonic boom they've listed some of the capabilities of these crafts so there Mm -hmm. are some things i'd say probably aren't uh uaps there are some that might be doesn't mean they are uh, but there are some which definitely are even if it's a small percentage you only need one and you've proved Mm -hmm. the whole thing Mm
0: -hmm. the other question is are you familiar with the work of dr
1: Michael Sala, Michael Sala, um, is he on uh, ancient aliens? I, I have to try and think I've certainly the name is familiar, Michael Sala. Yes,
0: he's an, an extra expert and is one of the leading ufologists in the USA. OK, so Right. Probably, it, I, the out.
1: name. Yeah, I'm familiar with that name, it's Michael, I haven't met him, but uh, yeah.
0: Let me ask you this. You mentioned Mars, you know, this gentleman getting information from Mars. You know, it's Mm -hmm. always been thought. I'm not saying how old I am. (laughs) It's always been thought that there was life on Mars. So how how does Mars, you know, relate into all this?
1: Well, one of the things Dr. King said right from the beginning, and I think this is key. I mean, there's Uh two things that are key about Dr. King's claims. And I I invite people to investigate them, Um, uh, you know, inform your own conclusions. I mean, as I said earlier, don't take my word for it. But there were two key things he said right from the beginning in 1955. Uh, The first is that his contacts are nearly all from this solar system. And that marks him out from most other claimants, because most other claimants have said, "Oh well, you can't have life on Mars, Venus, Jupiter," so they they go out to the Pleiades or Sirius or Alpha Mm Centaur somewhere, you know, where it can't be disproved, (laughs) frankly. Um, but obviously, I would say, the intelligences who have the greatest interest in us are from this solar system. But um, the, the, the connection, the, the second key point, is that he always said there is multidimensional existence in the universe. Mm-hmm. Now, we take that now as a serious scientific possibility. They didn't then. They didn't really 20 years ago, never mind in the 50s. He said that we live in a in a... In a Many energy levels, not only on this Earth. So when I mentioned these two poets, one was called Davenant, the other was called Fouque Greville. I hadn't heard of either of them, but they did exist. They live on another realm on this earth. It's not visible to you unless you happen to be quite a highly trained clairvoyant or you're capable of astral projection under Mm -hmm. control. And that's also quite rare. Out of body experiences happen to millions of people around the world just haphazardly. But being able to do it at will is quite a a difficult thing to do, very difficult, I would say. But unless you can do that, you won't see them because they are vibrating at a different energy frequency, likewise on Mars, likewise on Venus, only they're more evolved than we are. So we're actually, we believe that Jesus came from another world, Buddha came from another world, Krishna came from another world, Moses came from another world. Number of, now this is, I agree this is contentious, but mm-hmm. it was always the stated beliefs of Dr. King.
0: Well, you know, I was just thinking as you were saying that about Jesus and the angels and Buddha and all them. When you think about it, and I'm and going back to, you know, the chariots of the gods theories and all that. Oh, yeah. We don't, they've always got a halo around their head. Yeah. Which could yeah. be a space helmet. All right. I'm open to that. Yeah. It's all yeah. good. You know. You have to yeah. – I think the main thing with investigating anything like this, you have to have an open mind. And if you go in with a closed mind, it's not going to happen.
1: Well, it's very good to hear, Charlotte, because I, I think that is what we all need, especially now. And, I mean, let's just... I mean, I, this is one of my favorite subjects, I have to admit. But when you go back, I mean, the Star of Bethlehem wasn't a star. I mean, if you believe in it... I know some, nowadays a lot of people, and, and even including priests and so forth, come out and say, well, actually, it, was, it wasn't was really a star. They're changing the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was some astronomical phenomenon or astrological phenomenon or whatever. But actually, if you take the story, which is that three wise men, in other words, not... A, not deluded men. They followed an object which hovered over a stable. That was definitely a UFO, UAP, Ooh. IFO. Call it whatever you like. That was a spacecraft. Um, it wasn't a star. A star can't do that. We know that. And that story, that's an obvious example. Uh, I think even more interesting to me in some ways is the uh, experience on Mount Sinai that Moses had mm-hmm. when the, the Lord, as he, as he was called there, and I wouldn't dispute that, um, came down to deliver the Ten Commandments. He came uh, in a cloud comes back to our first questioner, actually. So I can't dismiss that first right. question, by the way, and say it definitely isn't a UFO. Um, but he, he, we certainly know that a Lord doesn't travel in a cloud. We know what clouds are now. And mm-hmm. and that was the individual who delivered the Ten Commandments, which whatever your beliefs, uh, you'd have to admit changed world culture for thousands of years. Um, and then if you go back, I think the most far more interesting, actually, even than those, you've find in the Ramayana, The I think it's the oldest text on earth, I believe, certainly it's certainly one of them, uh, many thousands, but actually no one really knows how old it is because it was passed down orally before it was ever written down. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a beautiful description of a Vimana, Vimana meaning flying celestial vehicle, this is called the, the Pushpaka Vimana, for those familiar with it, what well, seems to have been a real like a satellite tr- in which many people were traveling from Sri Lanka, as we now call it, up to the Himalayas. Um, so this, this is not new at all. Um, and I believe there's a craft similarly, you know, a satellite in, in orbit right now, as I'm speaking to you right now, mm-hmm. uh, in orbit of this Earth and its purpose is not to be cited there are many that are its purpose is to send down spiritual energy to you could you could be a complete atheist mm-hmm. and not believe in anything spiritual and still be helped by a craft like this because you could still be radiating spiritual energy you wouldn't call it that but you might be a devoted um, nursed. You might be someone who's helped the poor. You might be doing things which are highly spiritual, and your energies would be enhanced by this satellite.
0: What do you think the alien's purpose here is?
1: Well, I think their prime interest is the Mother Earth. Um, as you, I think it's the planet more than the people on the planet. They have a great compassion for the people on the planet. They won't force us to change. Uh, they won't interfere with us. They certainly don't want to take over the world. They certainly don't mean us any harm. That isn't to say there aren't evil ed- 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 races out in mm-hmm. the universe, but we are protected because the intelligences we believe in this solar system are highly benign. Mm-hmm. I've mentioned some of those who came from other worlds. and um, I can mention others, Confucius, Layout, say Patanjali, um, mm-hmm. great, wonderful intelligences who, who protect us, luckily. Otherwise, we wouldn't stand a chance because we're way, way behind them. They can get here. We can't get there, you know. Um, But I think their purpose, to answer your question, is to to help the planet, the Mother Earth, which is really being abused by us, and also to to try and virtually help us to save ourselves, really, from what is due down the line on this Earth. And, And they're doing that by... Uh, radiating, as I mentioned, spiritual energy by giving uh, these great teachings. They brought teachings to Earth before by being born as avatars or born through the womb of Earth women, um, such as Jesus, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, But now they've delivered these wonderful teachings and check them out. Check out one. I'll just mention one, 12 blessings. Um, there's There's a website. 12blessings12blessings.org and there you'll find these new age teachings delivered by Jesus. They go way beyond the Sermon on the Mount. They go into the cosmos and they, they are also a practice which people can do and people do do and they tune in and you don't have to be an Aetherius Society member or anything like that. You don't even, you could have whatever beliefs you have, but you can join in with this and send positive energy out to the world.
0: Now when you do your research how how were you able to obtain the documents that you obtained?
1: I I mean I, I don't have sort of inside sources within governments although I was in touch with a man called Nick Pope who's now a UFO man uh, mm-hmm. he makes his livings but I I was in touch with him the the day he moved into um I think that's probably improved a bit, moved into the Ministry of Defence here. And on his first day in the UFO department, he got a phone call from me, actually. And I and I said to him, um, do you believe in UFOs? He said, not particularly. <laughs> uh, I said, well, you will. And now it's his whole career. But I don't agree with him on one point. He does put out also the idea that they could be hostile. But he mm-hmm. has revealed some things. So I don't have, I just contacted various people for example I was in touch with TASS the Soviet agency just as a person as an individual and so I got some documents sent to me about a a UFO which landed in 1989 in a place called Voronezh uh, I think it's 600 miles from Moscow roughly and this craft landed in a park in front of a crowd of people Mm -hmm. Uh, it left in and then it what uh, this the, what happened was this crowd of people saw an intelligence get out of the uh, object. I'm cutting the whole thing quite briefly. Sure. Um, a child started to cry in sort of fear and worry and this intelligence pointed what looked like a gun at the child. The child disappeared. Um, and then walk back into the craft. The child reappeared. The craft left, leaving indentations in the ground. This is all according to TASS. Again, it's Soviet agency TASS. Um, and the the story was reported. It was reported during the Gorbachev era, if anyone remembers President Gorbachev, who was trying to tell the truth. He was trying to be open. He got mercilessly ridiculed in the pathetic media of the West. Not yourself, but some of the media of the West. Mm -hmm. And I sort of retrieved the story, put it out properly. And I think it's an interesting one, too, because it shows, again, they weren't hostile. They even helped this child who was upset. They didn't harm anybody. They demonstrated their powers of invisibility and then, you know, their powers over matter. Because let's let's face it, only 4% of the universe is visible to us. 96% is dark matter, dark energy. And I I heard the other day that if you had a, um, if you looked upon the the light spectrum, or the electromagnetic spectrum, I should say, as being 2,500 miles long, the amount of it that would be visible is two inches. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we we don't know a fraction of what exists in the universe, and they, I believe, have a control over matter. And this has been reported and it's been seen by the Navy in America and it's in the Pentagon. They dis- they can disappear. They can reappear. Uh, they have powers over matter that we don't have. The kind of powers you'd associate with the yogis in the Himalayas or uh, some alchemist or something, uh, which to have existed on Earth to some degree, not to the same degree, but have always been in mysticism uh, rather than in, you know, uh, materialistic science.
0: Now you had found some CIA paperwork. Yeah. And what was that like? I mean, was there a lot of, like? I mean, you see this stuff in the movies where. People find this stuff, and there's a lot of blacked-out information on it and stuff. Yeah. Is that what it was like, or, or, or well, what does it look like when you got
1: it? Yeah, some of it is redacted. I mean, I th- this this uh, this was as a you know courtesy of Washington Post. I just happened to be in touch with them, and I happened to bring it to Britain. Oh, I must tell you, by the way, Charlotte, because mm-hmm. this just came, sorry to to get onto another topic, but a poll came out over here. To, this is some British news for your American viewers there, but. Um, Apparently, I, even I find this quite extraordinary. They did a poll just before the anniversary of Roswell, you know, the 75th anniversary of Roswell over there. And they found out that one in three Britons, and this is on June the 30th of this year, one in three Britons have seen a UFO. Wow. This is not believe in UFOs. They've seen a UFO because people are coming out and saying it. They didn't think they could say it. You know, I mean, I I used to give lectures and a a man would stand up and tell us a UFO sighting and his wife would be really annoyed because he'd never told her. People were too embarrassed to tell their next of kin, their own family, never mind people at work. But sorry to divert there. So okay. I, 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 the, the actual Washington Post, the CIA documents, the best one, was the one I mentioned over Tehran. But there were hundreds of them, and it, it, it's a long time ago. And, and really, they've been sort of – one thing I would say, though, is that I wrote a book with Dr. King called mm-hmm. Contacts with the Gods from Space, and it was published 25 years ago. It's the last book published in his lifetime. He passed on in 1997. This was published in 1996. It was really his book, but he asked me to co-author it with him. And in it, if I could read you just a couple of passages from that. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're short, but they've all been proved or confirmed, I would say, last year Uh, in the uh, Pentagon release on June the 25th of last year. And this this is what we wrote. I'm quoting directly from contacts with the gods from space. And it was in reference to extraterrestrial spacecraft and their technological capabilities. And I quote, they are protected by a force field, which is intensified in direct relation to the velocity of the craft. The force field protects the vessel and the occupants from atmospheric friction counteracting the otherwise disastrous effects which could be caused by severe magnetic fluctuations which are contacted while passing through the terrestrial ionospheric and heavy side layers at the extremely high velocity of which these craft are capable. The system of control of the natural fields of magnetic energy enables the operators to use the energy potential of existing... I'm sorry, it's a bit wordy here. Of existing gravitational fields, which may be used as a secondary propulsion unit to enable easy landings onto and ascents from any planetary mass. They know that gravity is a dual poled magnetic force... And they are able to reverse these poles at will. Some of these crafts have been seen to perform a reciprocal pattern of flight at fantastic speeds. Such aerobatics would only be possible if the force of gravity were known and controlled. Some vessels can be dematerialized at will by their operators and the vibratory octave of their existence, so changed as to become invisible to our eyesight. Now, that's an extract. It's a little wordy. These are the words of Dr. King, and they're based on transmissions that he'd received back in the 1950s. Now, last last year, it came out, and I'll just list some of the things that they admitted to about sure. what they call UFPs. The ability to manoeuvre abruptly, the ability to move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion, sudden and instantaneous acceleration, Hypersonic velocities without signatures, signatures being something that they can detect materially, Mm -hmm. uh, low observability, positive lift apparently resisting the natural effects of Earth's gravity, control over atmospheric friction, as for example, when a UFO exceeds the speed of sound without a sonic boom. Those things were admitted last year. They are all contained in that passage, with explanations, actually, that I read out to you that was published 25 years earlier than the Pentagon report. There's a silence group. Some people call it deep state. Actually, I know... Donald Trump referred to deep state, mm-hmm. um, and actually yesterday, our outgo we our prime minister, as you may or may not have heard, is just being sort of right. boot- is being booted out as we speak. He's called Boris Johnson, right. but he admitted yesterday, referred yesterday to a deep state. Uh, Bill Clinton came out only last month, I think it was last month, yeah, it was, and said that he tried to get to the truth of Roswell, and nobody would tell him, basically. And now he says this, you know, so uh, uh, many years earlier, Winston Churchill tried to find out what flying saucers, as they call them, are, and they didn't tell him the truth. And that's within his own government. That was a Lord High Admiral or somebody like that. So there is a deep state. There is a silence group. There are powers. And even, you know, presidents, prime ministers aren't being given the full truth. Never mind us.
0: Right, right. I also heard, and this is kind of silly off topic. I also heard that Prince Philip was a believer. Oh yeah,
1: well Prince Philip definitely was a believer, and actually his what well, we have, a, you know, we have some strange positions in in the royal family of Britain. And one of is mm-hmm. called an equerry, and an equerry you might call a personal aide. Mm-hmm. And his personal aide was a man called Sir Peter Horsley, and he was given the job by Prince Philip, um, particularly in the nineteen fifties of reporting on UFOs back to Prince Philip. And he had an encounter in 1954 with someone he believed was an alien intelligence. Uh, That was called Mr. Janus. And he actually, or he was given the name Mr. Janus, Mm -hmm. uh, which is the name of a Roman god. He told me the full story of that. I got an absolute exclusive uh, on that from him. I put it in my book, UFOs and the Extraterrestrial Message. Uh, He told me that when he had this meeting with someone he believed was from another planet, uh, that it changed his entire life. Now, Mm -hmm. we're talking 1954. This intelligence, Mr. Janus, told him about uh, the capability of speeds faster than light of telepathic ability. He, he said the the alien intelligence demonstrated telepathy to him and his powers of telepathy, changed his worldview and his spiritual view forever, uh, combining eastern and western uh, views, talked about the capabilities of the capacity of, of, of extraterrestrials, but he, Sir Peter Horsley, never passed this information back to Prince Philip, which I you know I think is a derogation of duty, really. He, he was sort of um, hounded out. He was silenced. He admitted it after he retired and was living in the Bahamas. He's passed on now and gave me an absolute exclusive, uh, which mm-hmm. goes on the front page of our biggest newspaper in Britain called The Sun. Um, and, yeah, so, yes, you're right. Prince Philip had a tremendous interest, and in, they didn't talk about it until after his recent demise.
0: Do you believe in alien hybrids?
1: Well, I think it's yeah, I, I do think it's possible. Yes, uh, depending what one means by that, mm-hmm. um, I I think the sort of intelligences I've been talking about, you know, the spiritual intelligences, great things, right. are not hybrids. But I think they certainly have the capability, if they chose to, to develop those, and certainly to use of robots and unmanned craft. I don't think all the craft that are seen are necessarily manned.
0: Absolutely, Because I know. Yeah, there's a question in the chat room about Simon Parks.
1: Yes, but uh, what is the question? I was just
0: wondering if, if if you knew about him.
1: I, I've heard the name against another name. I mean, I I don't claim to know every case there is. So right, I, right, I, right. I, So, but again, I've come across that. I'd have to be reminded of the case in point there. Yeah,
0: when when you look at the files of say the Pentagon or the CIA and even the stuff over over in the UK. Yeah. What conclusion you can get from the fight? You know, from, from what for from what you have seen.
1: I think that you know one of the excuses that they used to come up with, and I do believe the Pentagon some years ago admitted they lied about this. Mm-hmm. They used to say, "Well, what they are, if you've seen these objects, is very advanced technology that we've been testing. They're actually from this Earth." That right. sort of whole angle that came out. I think that is absolutely false. By which I mean, it doesn't mean there isn't any of that. But some of the craft cannot be explained that way. And what we have found out this year, actually, is that Russia has an an identical program, and so does China and that uh, the Russian, the head of their agency in Russia, said he's in touch with NASA. NASA has now, as of last month, started their own, uh, as well as the Pentagon. They've got their own investigative body. Mm -hmm. The head of NASA, Bill Nelson, definitely believes in extraterrestrials, definitely believes we might be contacted. The head of the Russian one, he hopes we will be contacted. He's very sort of hopeful about it in his statements. And China, too, have got evidence. They Mm -hmm. don't know the full answers, Uh, And this is where I think we have to come back to the spiritual factor. I think until we do that, we won't really get the answers. I think they're giving even these bodies enough information to keep them pursuing it, to make them become more honest, more open, but they're leaving questions. And I think people then have to turn to a genuine contact such as Dr. George King. I'm not saying he's the only one. But I think he's, in my opinion, the most significant one I know of, certainly. Um, you, they have to look at this. They may not like the idea of mediumship or channeling, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really matter whether you like the idea or not. It's whether it's true. That's the only thing that matters. And it really makes perfect sense. They communicate telepathically. And that's what mediumship is, actually. In essence, it's a form of telepathy.
0: When you talk about Dr. King, for the people that don't know him over in the United States, can, can you kind of summarize?
1: Yeah, so I'd be, I'd be delighted to. First of all, you can see a picture of him. Uh, uh, get my finger in the right direction. Right. There, 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 there we, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's an extraordinary person. I've, I was very lucky to be not only, uh, as it were, a disciple of his, but a very close friend and he's a, re- a truly remarkable person, uh, completely genuine. I think even his critics, if they've looked into him at all, even if they don't believe in him, mm-hmm. they have to hand it to him. He lived and believed pra- and practiced exactly what he preached. And there is a biography of him, which I was privileged co-author called The King Who Came to Earth, um, and you can find that, and it will tell you everything, well, a lot about him anyway. But he was one of those very rare people. I'm, I'm going to put stick my neck out and say I don't even believe he came from this world, although he he never claimed that publicly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the most extraordinary person. He turned his mind, as I briefly mentioned, um, he to, to the, the practice of yoga. And this would be after the Second World War. So we're talking 1945, 1946. Yoga just wasn't practiced, certainly in Britain, much at all. It wasn't taken at all seriously. Uh, but he had tried other avenues. He was a, He was looking for truth he was looking not for faith but direct experience of -hmm. that truth and he decided to go down the yoga route and he did this by practicing if people have heard of things like this kundalini yoga um, Mm -hmm. and other advanced forms including raja nani and others and he did it for eight hours a day for 10 years that alone marks him out i think from anyone i've heard of in the west Um, you know, I, I remain to be corrected, but I don't. And so in doing so, he was being in his 20s and early 30s. He, you know, all the usual things he forgave. I mean, they, he went without. He had a job. He didn't have money in his own right. So he had to work, which he did mainly as a driver. He did a few jobs, but he was there to get to the bottom of things. And he did. He, he mastered yoga. He entered the what known the state known as Samadhi. And only then he was contacted. Um, so his contact took place in the same year as Sir Peter Horsley met an alien that I mentioned, the equerry of Prince Philip, in nineteen fifty-four, mm-hmm. in the same town, actually. Uh, of London, uh, he met and his contact was called Etherius It's interesting because this name Janus and we didn't even know about him till 1997. It was hushed up and kept secret till after Dr. King's demise, which is very interesting. In 1997, uh, this contact of Sir Peter Horsley, but Dr. King's contact in the same year, in the same town, was with an intelligence by the given the name Etherius Same kind of ending, Janus, Aetherius. Um, And the master Etherius, as we call him, delivered a set of teachings. So he was able to use him as a channel. And from 1955 in January, he started doing this in public in, in London. Um, and he started to produce a journal called Cosmic Voice. And he set up the Aetherius Society to put these teachings out. But the main thing wasn't even the teachings. The main thing for him was direct cooperation with people from other worlds. And for the next 43 years up to the day of his passing, and I was with him, I spoke, I was in touch with him, I'd say every day for -hmm. the last 20 years of his life. I was either with him in America, in Santa Barbara, where he had a small bungalow, or in LA, Mm -hmm. or in London, or in, you know, on the phone, one way or another. He lived it 101%. He was a genuine contact. Just to give a couple of examples, I was with him just hours before the Chernobyl disaster, and he got a communication warning him that he wasn't told it would be Chernobyl, but Mm he was. He was told, you know, that uh, this a disaster was due. Uh, There needed to be UFO intervention. Mm -hmm. Uh, There needed to be a program of action, which he instigated. I think. It was started, I think I'm saying something like an hour and a half after Chernobyl actually happened. We, had, we weren't, hadn't even been told about Chernobyl. It didn't come out for a few days. 16 years later, um, pra, um, Pravda admitted that uh, UFO had indeed intervened over Chernobyl and reduced the impact fourfold. But that was 16 years after he published it. That's just one example. Um, Another one I mentioned earlier was the Kishtim Russian disaster. He revealed the details of that in 1958 in this journal. Um, And it wasn't released to the public in the world until 1976. Um, So those are just a couple of sort of examples but the main thing isn't that sort of evidence it's the teachings that he received I mean my favourites called the nine freedoms I do mm-hmm. a sort of podcast myself called the spiritual freedom show people will find it at ethereist.org or on my website by the way all this kind of latest UFO stuff mm-hmm. is on my website right now people want to look it up it's richardlawrence.co.uk and you'll find it there but the main thing that he did I think was to live his beliefs. And he, he set up a whole series of actions that we can do in direct cooperation. I mentioned the satellite that's in orbit now. We have the dates for the next thousand years. We're still doing it. We're very active. I mean, for example, on Saturday, we're all we're going to a place in the UK called mm-hmm. Holston Down. Um, which is in North Devon. And I imagine about 100 of us will be down there sending energy out to the world. Uh, But it also happens very near you. I should mention Mount Baldy in California is a is a is a place of constant pilgrimage by people in the society and some people not in the society who go there for spiritual reasons. So we're very active, and he was extremely active. He led from the front. He was a very humble man. He was a very shy man, actually. He might be very confident. He was a strange mix of complete confidence mm-hmm. and yet shy at the same time. He he didn't seek publicity. He didn't like the the limelight at all. Really uh he but he obviously had to do some media work and he did a lot of speaking uh, and a a lot of writing he had a tremendous down-to-earth sense of humor Mm -hmm. he was very grounded but he was a master of yoga and he had this knowledge he knew it wasn't sort of guesswork he had a hundred percent knowledge that it was true. Now it's up to people to decide whether or not they believe it. But he was the real thing. I, I, I'm lucky. I saw it at first-hand experience, right. and uh, you know, I witnessed it.
0: Well, Mount Baldy brings me to my next question. Oh, now do uh, you know? I, we, I used to live near Mount Shasta.
1: Oh wow, I'd love to know.
0: you know, you know the rumors about Mount Shasta. You know, and and the and, and the and the reptilians living underneath and all that. Do you think the aliens are here already?
1: I think they're here already. Yes, I do. Uh, And I think, but it's not just the aliens. There are, we should run away from the idea or avoid the fact there are great masters, um, you know, from this earth. Mm -hmm. And if you talk about Mount Shasta, I mean, one of my heroes is a master by the name of Count St. Germain. Uh, who is very connected with Mount Shasta and very connected with Europe, too, here, um, but is an ascended master. It's quite unusual because you tend to think of a... By the way, may I quickly say this? Master doesn't mean male. Can I quickly say? Master is male, female, and I believe that the intelligences on higher planets are both. I don't think they're limited to one gender. I think they can be trisexual um they're 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 above that you know they they incorporate many aspects in their one intelligence so if you get an intelligence for example like shri krishna uh it was necessary on this earth because of how backward we've been for so long mm-hmm. in our treatment of women terrible way it's been he, he had to come in a male body but he wasn't a male intelligence he was um uh, multi-tri-sexual intelligence, for example. He's one of the greatest ones he's ever come. Um, so there are ascended masters, male and female, from this earth. And I do think that's a big factor, and I understand with Mount Shasta in particular, actually. But also the Himalayas and certain other palaces, right. food I believe Mount Fuji, um, where you have them, and, and you have great white brotherhood. Sometimes, again, it's misleading because they aren't mainly white, actually, and they certainly aren't all male. Um, these are old-fashioned words they don't mean anything wrong but they're they're just the wrong words but um, in in this organization let's call it the spiritual hierarchy if you like Mm -hmm. they often reside within mountains I think Mount Chester is one I think Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa is another Uh, Castle Peak also in America is another Mm -hmm. and we have one here in Scotland um, called uh, Ben McDewey um, in, in the Gorm range, if anyone knows that at all. Uh, but they're, they're around the world, certainly in South America. Um, and these are very great intelligences who are not extraterrestrial. They've come from this earth. They've mastered um, the life cycle on earth. They don't need to die anymore. Uh, they have what you might call eternal youth. They can remain in one body for thousands of years if they choose to. And they are seen. Count Saint Germain was seen in one of my, another of my favorite subjects, for hundreds of years in the same body in France. One woman saw him in, at the same age um, when she was a sort of young lady and then at Ooh. court. Uh, and then later at, at court when she was in her 80s, looking exactly the same.
0: Mm-hmm. So that, that, that topic in particular fascinates me. You know, to and think they. that they're that they're here, and like you say, they're they're they're, they're interdimensional. So you're not going to see them anyway, unless they want to be seen.
1: Absolutely, and they have a complete control over matter, so they can manifest on whatever level they want to manifest on at any given moment, and uh-huh. it might be physical, it might be a higher level. They, they kind of they don't even have what we might think of as an aura. Mm-hmm. which you and I have and a clairvoyant can see and can even mm-hmm. perhaps do a reading. I, I mean, I used to do readings. I've done hundreds of them. And there's a one one good thing about that, that is you can prove to yourself that you are psychic. You know, everyone can be psychic. It's, right. it's not just a gift for a few or anything like that. It's a question of what, where you want to put your energy it may not be your priority, um, you, but you can become a healer. You, you can certainly send out great. And people say, well, look, you know, our healing works on an individual. Does it work on the world? Yes. It might be called prayer. might mm-hmm. be called mantra. Definitely, it's sending energy out to the world is the most important thing that any of us can do. Uh, I think I've gone off your questions. I'm sorry, Sean. Oh,
0: okay, don't worry about it. Because my yeah. next question had to do with, with, with mediums and psychics. I mean, yeah. it, because you were talking about Dr. Kelly and, do you think that some mediums are in contact with, with aliens without even realizing it?
1: Yes, uh, and I think some great, not just mediums, but some great artists, composers, mm-hmm. scientists mm-hmm. have been unconsciously channeling mm-hmm. higher intelligences. Um, the planet we understand in this solar system most connected to music, for example, is Jupiter. Mm -hmm. And I would believe I actually happen on my I I wake up on radio to to classical music and it was Rachmaninoff's second uh, piano concerto when I woke up this morning. And I was just thinking to myself that, you know, that that comes from somewhere that's that has a a feeling of Kundalini about it to me anyway. Mm -hmm. And also uh, I'm sure there's a Jupiterian influence behind some of the great classical composers, uh, Mm -hmm greek uh, well one could you know list them all off or many of them but they wouldn't have known that they'd be unconscious unconscious channelers and so really? it's likewise writers um but then you can develop it as dr king into did into a conscious thing i also think it's quite dangerous uh, i think you, you you've got to have great powers of concentration i just don't think the average person could discriminate enough between their imagination and what they're really getting, it, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, as I said earlier, it's an extremely difficult thing to do. In the case of Dr. King, he developed samadhi, and if those have heard of it, it's the, the deepest state of meditation. It's not a passive state. It's not a state of relaxation. It's almost the opposite. It's total, complete single-minded concentration down to one point and he didn't even focus on the words of the message he focused simply on the beam uh Mm. of energy as a as a as a generated beam of thought which might be looked to him like a light which he could receive and harness and focus on his own uh larynx, if you like, to to enable him to just become a channel. He went beyond even telepathy, as we know it, Mm -hmm. uh, and went to the root source, the energy source. His brain then translated it into words. After he'd received a transmission, he didn't know what had been said, because he'd gone above the conscious mind, even the memory. He had complete control over it. But he he had to switch it on, and it was you know it was great effort, and switch it off afterwards, and only then when he heard the tape back did he actually know what had been said. Now that's a a state of mediumship. As I say, I've done mediumship myself. I have mm-hmm. never heard anyone else describe any medium describe in the way that he did it, and that's why he was so accurate over the forty three years.
0: See, that's why I wonder about things like these, like you say you know the writers and the scientists that come up with this stuff like, like, you know like stealth technology or even even the people like you know ray bradbury gene roddenberry you yeah. know these different people that write certainly. this futuristic stuff that come true certainly. where does it come from
1: certainly they could be inspired and sometimes you don't know i mean sometimes mm-hmm. all of us we we could be driving in a car a little thought comes into our head don't turn left And and so you don't you decide to follow it. It's a silly thing, this, but you you Mm -hmm. don't turn left, and then you find out down there there was an accident and so on. And this, I mean, I used to do you know radio phone-ins over here and get lots of cases like this. Now they don't. They say to me, "What was that thought? Don't turn left." One man, I'll give you. I remember he phoned up a phone-in show I did in Britain, and he was a pilot. And he was about to perish. He was a parachutist. He was about to jump and he heard a voice saying to him, don't jump. Oh. Uh, and he was ordered and he checked the parachute and check it. And it had been packed wrongly and he would have died. And uh, This is just anecdotal, just a man who phoned me up. Now, he said, where did that come? Who was that? What was that? And sometimes you don't know. It could be your guide. It could be a guardian angel. It could be <laughs> your own intuition sometimes Mm -hmm. you just don't know where it comes from okay this is more basic than your scientists that you were talking Mm -hmm. about there but it's it saved his life and somewhere in some ways it doesn't really matter where exactly it comes from as long as it's true and this Mm -hmm. is where you have to discriminate and that's what dr king used to say said look what i got has come from somewhere either i've made it up it's come from my brain Mm-hmm. or, as I'm claiming, it comes from extraterrestrials. If it's extraterrestrials, it's wonderful. If it isn't, I must be somebody fantastic to come up with this, and I'm <laughs> not claiming that. You know, So people can form their judge by the merit of the information received. That's what I would say.
0: Now, last question today. How this hour has gone by fast. This is fab- fabulous. It's been a Thank pleasure, Charlotte. Um, my last question is that, as far as disclosure goes, do you see the government's, I'm saying government's, altogether, because it's probably going to be a a big government's thing. Do you see them releasing the information to us slowly, like they're doing now, or is there going to be one big um, information drop?
1: Well, it's my understanding that there are there is great conflict, for example, within the Pentagon. For all I know, the same could be true in Russia and China. Britain Mm -hmm. is pathetic. Mm -hmm. They are I won't even say how pathetic they are on this topic and dishonest. France is better on this, actually. And for a British person to say that is unusual, I can assure Mm -hmm. you. But France is in Europe, one of the better ones. But um, I I understand there's a great conflict and there's a kind of a battle going on between the sort of deep state factions who don't want it out mm-hmm. and have interests in, you know, complicated interests in defence. Why is it in the Pentagon? Why is it in the British Ministry of Defence? It's not a defence issue. They're not a threat to us. That's obvious, should be obvious. And I think they know that, but they wrap it up. They'll also try and use it to try and get more. I'm not avoiding your question here, but to try no, and get no, 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 more oh, yeah. money put into arms so therefore they want to build up this idea we need to defend ourselves it helps the arms industry mm-hmm. you've got all these interests going on sadly so I think it will be slow but in the end they'll have no choice I mean if I, I, I could sum it up in an editorial Dr King wrote in 1958 he said this and he had a campaign in 1958 on the street mm-hmm. uh, for a release of information And you can imagine the reception he got in Conservative Britain in 1958. But he said, we will not stop now. We're all prepared for a long campaign if necessary. We all know that eventually we shall win through and succeed in breaking this unfair silence curtain fabricated by the government. For just as surely as tomorrow's sun will rise, the governments of Britain and every other country must eventually tell you, the taxpayer, the truth. Dr. George King.
0: Absolutely, one more, more quick thought too on that. Do you think some of it has to do with fear, where, where, they, where they don't want to make the public fearful?
1: I think that's their excuse, and I. <laughs> but I think they could easily get round that. You know, as as I mentioned to you earlier, I can give you the exact words, and this was was said by by a Martian, and uh, he said it. it um, I'm looking at the wrong quote, but he he definitely said um, that it should be obvious that we are friendly. If we weren't, you would not exist. So, I I think the truth must come out. Have I answered your question there, Charlotte? I'm I'm not sure that I have. But, um, you know, I think they they will tell the truth. I think more, and the more they do, here's a positive, the more they do, it'll be good for the karma of the world, if I can bring Mm -hmm. karma into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And every step that, we Take to them, they can take two towards us. Every time the governments lie, it sets the whole world back. Every time they're honest, it helps the intelligences from other worlds to come closer to us and to reveal more. And they can't stop it coming every now and then. They try, even UFO groups sometimes say UFOs don't exist, but they can't stop them coming. They're here to stay. They'll go on giving evidence, and eventually, there will be a new age on the world, on this world, and eventually, the day will come when they'll actually walk among us
0: fantastic thank you so much this was thank a fantastic you. hour i appreciate you coming on i really do
1: uh well i appreciate you inviting me charlotte thank you for being open-minded and listening and hearing me out
0: i would love to have you on again to pick your brains. i'd love to more. love that, to that would be great how can thank people you, find you
1: uh they find me at richardlawrence.co.uk And they'll find the Aetherius Society at Aetherius, A-E-T-H-E-R-I-S dot I-U-S, I beg your pardon, A-E-T-H-E-R-I-U-S dot Mm -hmm. org, Aetherius dot org.
0: Fantastic. Again, thank you so much and uh, have a good rest of your evening.
1: And you, have a good day in beautiful California. Love it. Love California.
0: It's hot, but beautiful. Okay. (laughs) All right, sir. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank
1: you. God bless. Bye-bye
0: okay I've learned so much I just thank you so much again Richard wow it's it's really fun to talk to somebody on the other side of the pond to get their view on stuff because sometimes it's a little different from what's going on over here in the United States you know and I think I, I think I got that view pretty good for you tomorrow we're shifting gears a little bit be back on at 6 30 p.m. Pacific with Michael Goddard Michael Goddard has done investigating into his past lives and he has 88 past lives 88. I've never heard of anybody with that many past lives before. So that's going to be pretty, that's going to be fairly interesting. So that'll be tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. If you like the show, we'd like you to share it. You know, if you liked it, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Also, if you're watching from Facebook, please follow. If you're watching from Twitch, please follow. If you're watching from TikTok, please follow. And if you're on YouTube, if you look down in the bottom right-hand corner over there, you will see a little ghost with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat. That's our mascot. That's how you click the subscribe to the videos that we do. We go out Monday through Thursday, or actually Sunday through through blah, Sunday through Sunday uh, Friday. Sunday we read from a paranormal-themed book, and then the rest of the week it's guest, 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 guest. And if you look at the topics, because I'm a journalist, I'm also a photojournalist, So I like to kind of change it up. So you'll see different topics over there. So I think there's something for, you know, that might interest just about everybody sitting over there at YouTube. Our website is radio.com. Our actual website for the Paranormal Group is CaliforniaHaunts.org. But I want to thank everybody for coming. And I really appreciate each and every one of you. Everybody in the Mideast that listens to us. Everybody in the UK that listens to us. Everybody everywhere that that listens to this show it's a little show that could and sometimes youtube doesn't show us enough love but uh we're getting there we're chugging along and we're getting there little by little it's baby steps but but yeah big changes the last year and a half you know to see the show take off like it has and i'm really excited and it's just it's it's due to guests like richard and we couldn't do it without guests like richard anyway also we are a non-profit group uh, and uh in other words, I own the group, I own the team, I own everything. Everything comes out of my pocket. So, you know, equipment here—the computers, the the lights, the cameras, any paranormal equipment that the team uses out in the field—I pay for it. Also, so if something breaks, it comes out of my pocket. I'm also paying for the internet and all that other stuff. And I'm just—I was just hoping that if you can find it in your heart to help me out a little bit, because I, I do want to keep this show coming and I do want to keep guests like Richard coming on, coming on. And that you can do that at PayPal.me at California Haunts. Or if you don't like PayPal, Venmo, and then just type in California Hots. Anyway, thank you again, and thank Richard again. And I will see you guys, and hopefully some of you guys that were on today from the UK can join us tomorrow or watch the recording of tomorrow's show. Uh, I'll see you guys at 6.30. Let's see if I get this up here. Okay, push my buttons. Here we go. Thank you. Have a good. And uh, hang on one second. I'm going to give you Richard's information real quick. And there you go. Website's richardlawrence.co.uk. Ethereus.org and 12blessings.com. All right, and then his books are here, The Magic of Healing, and we've got the little book of Karma. We've also got the King and the Little Book of Yin and Yang. And UFOs, Extraterrestrial extraterrestrial Message. And of course, the book he was talking about, Contact with the Gods from Space. And those are available at Amazon. And thank you guys. I'll see you at 6.30pm Pacific tomorrow. Here we go.